Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, casino cheating and messy foods. Maybe the biggest scheme that's happened, we estimate somewhere around $100 million. So a lot of the uh, great, great casino cheats never really got caught in the casino. They got ratted out. But it turns out he was a retired rocket scientist, and he had reverse-engineered the random number generator. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, subscribe. Leave us a rating or a review. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show. If you're a longtime listener, thank you so much for all of your support. So our first guest has worked in the casino industry for decades. His job is to figure out who's cheating and how they're doing it. This is casino cheating consultant George Joseph. So how hard is it to cheat at a casino? Well, it isn't hard at all to cheat. It's the harder hard part's getting away with it. There's all kinds of guys that, that cheat. And I do a whole program, Why Do We Only Catch the Amateurs? And uh, I'll show somebody, uh, I'll show the surveillance staff or casino staff or cops uh, the same trick being done by professionals and then the same trick being done by amateurs and say, what's the difference? One of them is technique. Uh, second is the setup. And third, this is the intangible, is that the pros know when not to move. When they feel heat or they see something that just doesn't set right with them, they scrub the play and uh, live to fight another day. So a lot of the uh, great, great casino cheats never really got caught in the casino. They got ratted out. Uh, you know, it's funny. There's an old Arabic saying, Fleta alam bihaluser is at nine maitin. The three of us can keep a secret just as long as I kill both of you. So how often is this happening? Because in my mind, I feel like this would be like a rare thing. But how often is, is this happening every day in every casino? Well, not every day in every casino, but every day. One of the most interesting arrests that I was ever involved in was uh, we caught a fella sitting at a game with a big black coat and three buttons on his sleeve. Well, two of the three buttons were false. One of the buttons covered the face of a digital camera lens, and the other covered the face of an infrared light. Infrared light is higher than the human eye can see. And they would run a, <clears throat> excuse me, a wire up his sleeve and under his armpit and down his side into a fanny pack. Contained four seal lithium batteries. And on his back he had a um, walkie-talkie. Understand he's taking pictures high-speed pictures from his sleeve, but he can't, he can't see them. So they had a, a radio on his back with an earpiece that came up to his ear. They covered the wiring with uh, Band-Aids so it looked like he cut himself shaving. Now, if he goes to his body, and uh, too often it'll uh, look too obvious to surveillance or the floor person, so he doesn't control the batteries or the radio with his... Uh, with his hands. He controls them with his toes. He runs wires down his pants, into his shoes, oversized boots, heavy wool socks, a toe switch in each sock. If he raises his right toe, turns the power off and on to the battery. Raise the left toe, he turns the earpiece off and on so he can hear his partner. Now he's taking high-speed pictures from his buttonhole, but he doesn't really know exactly where to aim. So, uh, in order to get the video off the game, on his back he's wearing a flatboard 2 gigahertz microwave plate that connects to a signal strength amplifier so he can shoot at greater distances and go through the concrete and steel of our casino. Their camera is running about, geez, 50 times faster than a standard surveillance camera so they could freeze the playing card in midair. They could freeze a shuffle. They could freeze a, uh, a shuffle machine back in the day 
and reconstruct it to see the order of the cards that are going to come out the next game, the next shoe. So this guy's all wired up uh, on the game, and his partner is hiding in a little truck in a parking lot, and inside is the high-speed recorder and a 48-inch microwave dish. Shoot a beam through his back, through the casino, hit him in his back, tell him where to aim his arm, all this to pick off your whole card and pick off uh, shuffles and so on and so forth. Um, all right, so that's the technology. They're doing today exactly the same thing, but with cell phones. Uh, so cell phones are now uh, the biggest threat uh, to table game security. What are people doing with them, though? Are they just taking pictures with them or communicating through them, or how does that? Okay, so uh, card counting is, uh, for instance, is not illegal if you do it in your head. If you keep track and you know what cards got put away, so that tells you what's left in the shoe, and if a lot of little cards got put away, that means there's a lot of big cards left in the shoe. And if there are big cards left in the shoe or in the dealer's hand, the players have the advantage because of the extra payoff on, on a blackjack. Nick, if you're betting 100 bucks and the house gets a blackjack, you lose 100 bucks. But if you get exactly the same two cards, you win 150. So the face cards and the aces are more important for the player, not because they get them more often, they get more money when they get them. So most of the time it's flat. But if you notice extra little cards getting put away and there's extra big cards left, you bet bigger. You're just kind of stacking the odds a little bit in your favor. Well, you're not stacking them because you don't make it happen. You just recognize it when it does. About 20% of the time, the cards fall just right where the players have the advantage over the house. Now, if you recognize that advantage in your head, that's perfectly legal. If you use a device, and over the years we've caught them with uh, toe switches in each shoe, and you could enter one, two, four, eight, and it would keep track of all the cards that got played, and then it would vibrate these pads on your thighs to tell you when to bet big or small, whatever. We'd catch them, strip them down, take the stuff off their body, uh, um, exit them from the property, sometimes aggressively. But if they went to the gaming commission, we'd have to give it back. They have devices as simple as a car key, a key fob. You press the door open button to keep track of little cards, the door close button for big cards. You press the trunk button and it vibrates. Long vibrations means it's good for you. Uh, short vibrations means it's good for the house. Now they have cell phones that have uh, playing card recognition. So I have the cell phone running or I have a camera connected to the cell phone and all I have to do is look at the cards. I don't have to click anything. I don't have to say anything. I don't have to memorize anything or keep track of big and little. Uh, the program does it for me and then tells me when to bet big and little. So virtually every cheating scheme that was done in the past that involved a hidden camera or technology has now been adapted to be done uh, with cell phones. So it's kind of the same thing, just new technology. Absolutely. We caught a fella. He was playing a, a video poker machine, but he always had his hand under his armpit or under his boob, like he was scratching himself. But it turns out he was a retired rocket scientist, and he had reverse engineered the random number generator of the old video poker machine. So he would enter his cards that he saw dealt on the screen. And back then they would deal uh, 10 cards at once, five that you could see and five you couldn't see. Well, he was able to see the cards that he wasn't supposed to see. Now skip ahead to today's gaming world, and the Russians uh, cheaters have ha hacked our slot machines. They would wear a cell phone on their body, cover it in mesh, and they would take a picture of 20 to 30 outcomes of a particular uh, brand or platform uh, slot machine. They would uh, live stream those decisions to a mega computer. Now, you know, 
the slot machine computer has a very high speed uh, process by which it goes from one decision to the next. It's interesting to know that as soon as you press that button, the outcome is done. The real spin just to make it look good, but it already knows where it's going. Now, there's a particular speed at which that processor runs. Their mega computer is running a hundred thousand times faster than our slot machine. And it, at first it was incomprehensible to the casino world to think that somebody could reverse engineer the algorithm of a slot machine. And I said, well, you dumbass, some human being wrote that program. So somebody knows exactly how that program goes from one decision to the next. And what are the hidden states, the hidden features, the difficult math. And now you're running it at one speed and I'm analyzing it 100,000 times faster. So they would put their 30 decisions into the into their program running 100,000 times faster and it would go like this and it would catch up. Now they couldn't make a jackpot occur but they knew how far into the progression bigger payoffs were likely to happen and they would get a vibration on their leg and have a quarter second uh, to press the button to uh, hopefully get that higher jackpot, higher uh, payoff. All right. So just like I told you about the old timers, something just didn't look right. They got caught in casinos uh, when the audit department would send a report to surveillance saying this particular slot machine had a lot of coin out, money going out, but not enough money going in to justify. Now, usually that just meant that after they collected the money today, uh, grandma hit a big jackpot, and so the uh, par value wasn't where it's supposed to be yet. But they got caught in a couple of different joints around the country. Uh, surveillance is watching a customer hover with his finger over the uh, play button and then just poke at it very quickly, poke at it very quickly. And that's kind of what got them onto, uh, onto it. Something just didn't look right in the play. If you were to kind of look at it from in terms of like, okay, the casino's priorities with all the things that are going on, one is the lowest, number five is the highest. Where on that scale does kind of cheating fall? Like how big of a priority is it for casinos? Game protection doesn't make any money. It saves money. It gives you a comfort level, allows you to sleep at night. Uh, my job in many cases is to give a comfort level so that if we lose money, that the chairman of the board or the owner of the casino knows it wasn't a scam, it wasn't advantage play, uh, it was on the square. Now, in the overall scheme, I will take hands per hour and customer service in the casino uh, over game protection. Because if we don't have customers coming in and we're not good to them when they get here, and we don't offer them what they want to see or experience in our casino, we won't have a hell of a lot of money to protect. So on, on that scale of like one to five, are we talking like it'd be like a two? or like Yeah, one? two or three. You know, there are some interesting schemes that have cost the casinos in the last, say, 10 or 12 years. There's a scheme where the players have a camera in their sleeve, and as they go to put the cut card in before a game, uh, as a courtesy, you'd let the customer cut the card. Well, they run the cut card back and forth across the uh, cards being held by the dealer. And on one of those passes, they riffle through the cards with their thumbnail, and their hidden camera takes a picture. Now they have um, a sequence of cards coming out in the next shoe, and they know the exact order. They can predict the winner or loser in a Baccarat game, they know what the hitters stand or take insurance and blackjack and so on. At any rate, uh, that's probably the maybe the biggest scheme that's happened since uh, in the last 10 or 12 years.
we estimate somewhere around 100 million worldwide. And anytime you estimate based on on uh, historic losses, you can uh, you can assume two or three times that much uh, based on losses you, that were not attributed to that, or you didn't report them, or you just need, didn't even know that it happened to you. Basically, the other big there was a big controversy in the gaming world based on a fellow named Phil Ivey. The name is familiar. Poker player, right? He's arguably the greatest money poker player who ever lived. Well, Phil won $12 million uh, at a casino in London and $9.6 million at the Borgata in Atlantic City. And both the casinos accused him of cheating in the form of uh, uh, edge, edge sorting. And the whole thing revolves around playing cards that get printed properly, but they get cut off center a little bit. So if you take any deck of cards and look at the edge edge diamonds or edge border or edge pattern on the card, you will find 60 to 70% of the decks are irregular. And that means nothing because if you shuffle the cards properly, spin half of them and wash properly they can't be taken advantage of but imagine let's make it a simple thing let's suppose that we sat down on a uh, on a game and we spun all the aces and faces in one direction and kept all the little cards in the opposite direction all that means is in the next hand to play or the next once we've done enough cards we can look at the dealer's hand and determine with fair accuracy do they have high cards or low cards it doesn't tell us the exact card it just tells us a group well that's all Phil Ivey uh, actually Phil Ivey didn't do anything the uh, girl he was with asked for a particular brand of cards and a particular color so she knew in advance that these cards were uh, miscut then she said I'd like to have uh, a hand shuffle, no machine shuffle. I mean, no, sorry, no hand shuffle, just a machine shuffle. Well, during hand shuffles, you wash the cards. That would mess up the pattern. But a machine shuffle, they don't wash them. They just put them in the machine. Then she wanted a Mandarin-speaking dealer so she could understand each other. Then she said, when you deal the cards, before you turn them over, show us each card. And it sounded quirky, but you know the Asian uh, Asian customers uh, are very the best customers in the world, but they're also superstitious. They acquiesced. They showed him each card. Well, every time she showed him, and they put him back face down. <laughs> and then when she'd point at the card and go like this, and say, "Turn that card over longwise." And then if she went like this, she'd say, "Turn that card over sideways." What she was doing in the first shoe was turning all the nines and the eights and the sevens in one direction and leaving all the weak cards in the opposite. So during the first shoe of play, Phil lost 400,000 or so. And that's what his attorney told me. Uh, during, the, during the next shoe of play, they'd look at the opening in the shoe, and if it had a big diamond, it was a good card, they'd bet on the player. The player side always got the first, always gets the first card. If it was anything else, they'd been on the bank side because the player was going to get a weak card. So they didn't know the exact card. It's just like me saying to you, Nick, you have an advantage by knowing it's a, a good card, so you bet the player. If it's a weak card, you bet the bank because the player's going to get a weak card. Um, the mathematicians um, estimate he had about a 6 or 7% overall advantage well in two days of play he won 12 million dollars in, in London so they were just looking at the way the cards were cut and they could get an idea of what the cards were based on the way that the cards were cut when they were manufactured exactly let's just suppose that you're supposed to have perfect half diamonds all around every edge that's what's supposed to happen but because they get cut so fast, 
Then you get decks that have a little teeny diamond on one edge, which means the bigger other side will have bigger diamonds. So that's what they were looking for. They call it registration variance, and it creates an irregular border. When you look at people, like when, when you look at cheating in casinos, is this usually like just one person or a couple of people doing this, and then they go all over the place doing it? Or are these like really organized networks? You, you hit it on the head. There's a combination of both. I mean, look at all the uh, internet play that, that Pac-Man Jones got for uh, adding to a bet. They call it capping. All right, he knew he had a winner. He uh, added to his winning bet to try to get more money. Uh, okay, that's a ridiculously sim simple and stupid thing to do, especially if you got a camera over your head, you dumbass. Okay, so that's the amateur. The professionals that uh, attempt those sort of things, they may mark the cards. For instance, we had a crew that had been arrested over two dozen times in the States, and they would play in a face-up game. Cards were face-up, and so the players would not... Um, be able to touch the cards, but they would bet minimum bets and always throw a tip to the dealer. And when the dealer would take the tip, a customer would take a chip and he'd press on the face-up face cards, the tens and eight tens and face cards, and and it would create a bump on the back of the card. All right, well they did it for minimum bets, five bucks. If the floor person came by, they stopped. Once they marked up a shoe, they would leave. And two or three hours later, their partners would show up. Uh, they wouldn't bet 500 or 1,000 maximum bets. They'd bet 50, 100, and they'd win five or 6,000. They just knew. They didn't know every card. They knew it was a face card or not. If you're going to get a face card, you bet big. If there's a face card in the hole, you take insurance. If the face card's coming out, uh, it would break your hand. You don't take it. So... They're an organized crew, and they got they uh they targeted the entire gaming world. False shuffle scheme guys, the Tran organization, uh, were indicted in San Diego on 28 counts. Well, 28 counts that they could prove. There were dozens and dozens more where they knew they had hit the casino, but did not uh, have enough video uh, or overkill to put it in the into the uh, indictment. <clears throat> And they went for years, and they estimate somewhere around 12 or 15 million. And in some cases, we've even had customers come to us and said, hey, Nick, just put extra money on his bet. Can I do that too? <laughs> and so they get ratted out. One of the funniest ones, the dealers would take their tips. They have to tap the bankroll to make a sound to let the floor person know that they were getting a tip, and they put it in their top pocket. And then when they were done, they have to take it and go to a, a big box in the middle of the pit and put all the tips into that box. And collectively, the dealers would pool that money and share equally. So a casino executive goes to this shirt maker one day to have a shirt made. And they're talking back and forth. What casino? Oh, I'm over at the MGM or whatever the hell the casino was. Oh, hey, do you want one of those special pockets? What are you talking about? Does that pocket where you got that slide in it? The kid went to the shirt maker, had him make a special pocket that if he put money in, it would slide down into his underwear at first. And then if he would just press it like this, like a Velcro would seal it, so the last few tips would go in the pocket, he could turn it inside out and show only a few tips going into the box. The rest of them were down in, in his underwear, and he wear, actually wore pantyhose so they wouldn't fall through and fall on the floor. And he got ratted up by the tailor. <laughs> Are you ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions? Sure. Easiest game to cheat at? The vast majority of cheating that I see now is being done in player clubs in the slots, where people are stealing free play or getting working in concert with an inside person to load up a playing uh, a, a customer card with extra free play. Okay, that's a whole separate issue, that's the slots. Uh, Baccarat, uh, depending on on who you get to, uh, is the big game for organized cheaters, simply because so much money can be risked on so few cards. 
if you can track the cards, there's a big payout. A big payout. Here's the here's the thing. If you and I, Nick, conspire to steal one hand of blackjack, we're going to win one bet. But with the same number of cards, we steal a Baccarat hand, that could be seven bets because everybody can bet on the same cards. And in some cases, 14 bets. And if some of the casinos in Southern California allow back betting, over-the-shoulder betting, you can have 42 bets on the, on the same number of cards. So uh, Baccarat uh, has that advantage for the cheaters or the advantage play. Take a simple example. If you knew the first card in a blackjack game was an ace, you have a big advantage, 52%. But you're the only one going to get that ace. The first customer is going to get the first card. What if in Baccarat you knew the first card was a nine? That means the player side is going to get the most powerful card in Baccarat. Well, not only you, but everybody else on the table can bet the bank. They can, everybody can move back and forth between player and bank. So that's why Baccarat has been the uh, game of choice for the big cheaters because so much money is risked on so few cards. Which one is the, uh, which one's the hardest one to cheat at? Well, that's a tough question. Hard. It's not hard, hard to cheat at any game if you're willing to put the dedication in. Some of the great thieves I knew, uh, they worked a little differently in the old days. There was a great old crew of dice cheaters. A uh, fellow's been dead for years. I can mention his name, Glenn Grayson. And Glenn, Glenn had a crew of dice cheaters. And one of the ways they worked, and they were very good, and they had all the guts in the world, and they knew when to move, when not to move. But one of the ways they they uh, pulled off a scheme, it was one step short of pulling a gun. They'd walk up to the shift boss on duty that night, and they'd say, you know who we are, right? Well, you're in for 15%. And he'd nod his head. And you'd think he'd leave the casino. He'd go right there and stand behind the crap table. And you'd see... If a dealer saw anybody do a move, slide the dice, put a cube down, add to a bet, whatever the hell they were doing. If they looked up kind of and they saw the boss just sitting like this, staring at them, they knew to keep their mouth shut. Okay, so uh, any game can be cheated. That's some, A couple of the questions kind of revolve around that topic. It's like, what was the most complex one you ever saw where like, wow, that was, that was smart? The camera up the sleeve thing was pretty intricate because they lasted uh, over seven years that I know of. And it was because they stayed small. They would only win 1000 or 1500 bucks, And in a casino the size of uh, Bally's or MGM or one of those big joints, that doesn't even hit the hit sheet. Nobody even pays attention to it. When they went, uh, when they stole 90000 on a part of one shoe in Baccarat, at the Gold Coast, 60000 at the Frontier. That's when people start calling me. Bally said, we got 10 joints. Go see if you can find out what's going on. I analyzed their video and realized it was a camera. I do what I do. The cops do what they do. It took four months, but we snatched them up in Atlantic City. So had they stayed small, uh, and they were smart, they had different collectors. Um you know, if the same guy keeps beating you for a thousand or fifteen hundred at a time, over and over and over again, it just doesn't look right. So they would burn and churn uh, their collectors. So let's suppose, Nikki, you're the collector, and I'm the guy with the all wired up with the devices. You don't know me. You don't know that I what I have on my body. You don't know anything about any truck in a parking lot. All you know is if I give you a signal, you do one thing. If I give you another signal, you do something else. If I give you the cut sign, that means scrub the plane and get up and leave. So the real professional crews um, have lasted an awful long time. So the real smart crews burn and churn their collectors. Was there ever one that you couldn't figure out how they were doing it? Years ago, I was looking at... Um, what I know was mark card play. I didn't get a chance to see the actual playing cards, but nothing in the play suggested to me 
how they actually had marked the cards. Now, you can mark cards uh, high and low, just, you know, good from bad. You can mark individual groups, high, medium, and low. You can mark by absolute value. So I know an ace from a king, from a queen, from a jack, and so on. Well, it seemed to me watching the play that these fellas knew the absolute value of every card. Uh, I'll swear to this day, when I show the video in a training class, there's no way you can dispute the fact they know the whole card, they know the next card coming. It doesn't mean they win every hand, but they beat this one joint for about buck eighty, hundred eighty thousand. All right, but I never got to see the cards. So, was it an inside job? I don't know. Did they mark them in advance, and then the other guys came in and played it? I don't know. So those are the ones that bother me, because even 10 or 15 years later, I find myself uh, studying the film and saying, what the, excuse me, what the hell? How did they, uh, how did they know that card? Yeah. Do you think it'll change in the future? Do you think that anything lies ahead in the future that's like, okay, this is going to end it or make it much worse? You know, I, I say, uh, I start off my Mark Card training class by saying the worst Mark Card in the world and the best Mark Card in the world do exactly the same thing. They just tell you what the front of the card is before you make a decision. So the technology, no doubt, has changed drastically and it's going to make it easier it's going to make it more intriguing for the bad guys and more difficult in some cases. But if you saw Mark Card play from the old days and Mark Card play from the new days, it still looks like Mark Card play. The method, the modus operandi, how did they do it, has changed. And that's going to uh, keep changing based on technology. I mean, look at the... Uh, casinos that have been targeted when they get a phone call and the kid in the cage thinks he's talking to the owner and the owner says put a million and a half dollars in a bag and bring it to some guy in a parking lot and it's been going on casinos all over the country all over the world wait so there has been some scams where somebody would just pretend to be like a boss and tell somebody else meet me in the parking lot with money absolutely one of the big casinos in uh on the in uh, downtown las vegas Targeted for a million and a half, joint in uh, um, west coast of uh, Michigan, seven hundred thousand. When it comes to an accounting thing, they've changed. They've had vendors call and cha change a bank routing number, and they don't realize I got your bank information. So payments that should have gone to your electrical company are now coming to me, and I snatch that money up and run. The casinos cheat. <laughs> That's a great question. That really is. Because it used to bother me. Well, first of all, uh, we don't cheat customers. We just have a built-in edge. Uh, number two, you get snatched up for stealing my money, and then you and then you, uh, you whine about getting slapped around a little and thrown out. Why don't you just not steal my money? In 1931, when they opened legal gaming in Nevada, there were six sides on the dice, 38 numbers on a wheel, 52 cards in the deck. Now, in skip ahead 90 years, it's exactly the same thing, except for six to five blackjack and certain side bets on the games. So the casino has the same mathematic rate of win that they've had for 100 years. So in selected areas, small joints, yeah, but you're a, you're a joint MGM, you got 50 joints around the country. Are you going to take a shot, shot of losing gaming licenses in all 50 jurisdictions or a dozen jurisdictions to try to cheat on a game and then, and then hope that everybody keeps their mouth shut? The intangible always goes back to people brag, people get drunk and stupid, people shoot their mouths off, uh, people use it to get out of jail free. Uh, that's going to be the, the one thing the thieves can't change. I want to thank George so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him, we have linked to him on our social media sites. We're Profoundly Pointless on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. 
And we've also included his information in the episode description. If you want to see more of how some of these cheating techniques are done, the YouTube version of this episode will be live on February 15th at 12.30 p.m. Pacific. Okay, now let's bring in John Shaw and get to the pointless part of the show. Do you feel like an adult? Yes. You do? I do feel like an adult. Uh, absolutely. Oh, I feel nothing like an adult. I feel like a child masquerading as an adult. What is, what's supposed to make me feel like an adult then, I guess? I don't know. Just like, like because I don't feel like I know what I'm doing. Like, I still I mean, feel like a little kid just trying to, like, get through life. I mean, there's moments of my life where I go back to being an eight-year-old, I think, or have feelings like that. But uh, on an everyday basis, no, man. When you roll out of bed and it hurts, you're like, I'm an adult. These bones have lived some things. Oh, like, I feel physically older, but I don't feel like I'm mentally like I'm an adult at all. I mean, your hairline hasn't changed since you were seven, but that's that's fine. And according to our audience, I polled the audience, 60% of people who are adults say that they say that no, they don't feel like an adult. Only 35% of people said they actually feel like an adult. Maybe you're just a grumpy old man. I think I think I know plenty of angry old men. I would not classify me as one of them. You are an old soul, though. Like, I feel like if you could pick a time frame to live in, you would live in, like, the 1940s. I mean, simpler is better. I appreciate, uh, I appreciate investing time in something and getting to know everything about something, which is whether it's a record or a book or making a meal, as where, you know, nowadays everything is, you know, instant gratification, right? You don't have any of that. So, yes, I guess I would classify myself as an old soul. Oh, I'd much rather live in the future. I feel like we're at this awkward stage right now where like technology is pretty helpful, but it's not like super helpful yet. I wish I lived another hundred years in the future. I may regret saying this, uh, as I do most things that I open my mouth with on this podcast. Uh, but I, I don't know if I ever want to see the first actual robot like that does human things and is sold commercially. Oh, I don't really want to see that either, to be honest with you. I think the whole going down the road of AI and all that kind of stuff is really messing with something that maybe we shouldn't be messing with. I think that could be fundamental changes to this society. But I absolutely want my limbs to be able to be replaced with robotic stuff. I want to be 80 years old with like 20-year-old robot knees. Here's the thing, though, is kind of what kind of the question at, at, its, at its core, I feel. They can replace... The, the the stuff that doesn't truly age, right? Like you can replace an arm, a leg, but you can't replace your heart. I I, I don't I don't want to see that, man. If my arm goes, just let it go. Like I don't want a robot arm when I'm 80. Oh, I absolutely want robot arms. Why wouldn't you want robot body parts? I get what you're saying in the sense <laughs> of like, look, when my heart goes, when my lung goes, it's time for me to go. I'm okay with that. And I agree with you, but I absolutely want robot arms and body parts. Like I want to be able to be still be doing stuff. What what robot part would you want the most? Oh, legs. Oh, okay. Yeah, dude, I'm not going there. I'm not going to be using that <laughs> at that age anyway. But I absolutely I want mean, robot legs. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're probably most useful, but uh, or useful. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about it. But yes, getting back to the question, yes, I do feel like an adult. I'm going to go down the exact list of things that I want to be replaced with robotics. Number one is going to be my legs. I feel like my legs and specifically my knees and my hips, I want to be replaced by robots. Number two is going to be my back. Number three is going to be my shoulder. Number four is going to be my arms. And number five is going to be my neck. I feel like that's the way of things that are going to go. And that is why you should feel like an adult because everything you just mentioned, I assume bothers you or nags you currently correct no oh okay all right well then you still sounded like an old man right there i started going after i get like after i do shoulders now or chest or back at the oh gym, my god here comes the gym i i, I put on a heating pad oh it's, my god 
my shoulder just hurts so bad. Like it just, I probably should go get it checked out. Uh, but like it just hurts so oh bad. God. I feel like such an old man. Yeah, dude, that's how, that's what's gonna happen, right? Like when you don't really exercise, then all of a sudden you're fucking Joe something. God, dude, Joe somebody. Not, I just that's the problem is now I can't keep up. Like I don't even know who are the cool workout people to insult you with. Like you can't I, say Arnold Schwarzenegger anymore. Like. Um, uh, you know, I was in my up. basement the other day. Oh, God. <laughs> what was the weather God. like? I'm just going to have a checklist, and I'm just going to go ding for every time that you bring up the weather, your basement, or you going to the gym. I would. I, I don't know how I would feel if somebody made that T-shirt of that. That would be hilarious. Like, Shoals episode checklist. <laughs> episode checklist? I think that you should go ding whenever somebody brings up the weather in conversation. Somebody should just go like, ding. It's it's unseasonably warm here. God, really listen, I'm not talking about the weather with you. <laughs> We're old men. What do what do you old men talk about besides scorned lovers, alcohol, and the weather? Oh, I don't bring up scorned lovers at all. Oh, Wait a man, minute. I... Wait a minute. We are both married men who have been married for quite some time. You've have you ever brought up an ex girlfriend to your wife? Yeah, I mean, oh. When we first started dating, I mean, probably within the, I mean, I don't specifically remember a time recently, but probably within the last couple of months. I mean, it's, it's not like you, you and you and I met our wives at an older age, not that old, but older. So like, you knew, you know, like you had priors. 20s. Yeah. I mean, you had prior things. It's not like it's, you know, oh, maybe, maybe this is a me and my wife thing. I don't know. I have never brought up a single ex ever in her presence or talked about him in any form or capacity ever at all. It's not like we sit there and say, you know, uh, what was the best time sex wise that you had besides me? It's not like anything like that. But, you know, you have memories, life memories, things like that. I mean, it gets brought up from time to time. And you bring that up. I would never bring that up. All right, let's give some shout-outs. Uh, Adam Borland, or Borland, it's probably Borland. It's probably Borland, not, Borland, not Bordland, I would assume. Borland, yeah. Uh, Isaac Duda, Sebastian Plagario. Also, sure, not, that's not how you say that last name. Uh, Christelle Peasy, Harrison Garbut, Max Briscoe, Grant Haygood, I like a Grant. The Grant is, uh, you know, Grant is not a name that you it's hear very bad. often, but it's yeah, it's, it's it could good. be it could be more of them. I can deal with more Maxes too. I prefer Maxine. Actually, I like Maxine. That's like a you oh. never know what you're getting with a Maxine. Oh, I think I know you exactly what you're getting. You're getting a talking to. You're getting. You're going to hear some some complainings of somebody's name Maxine. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up. Uh, Travis Gilroy, Rosa Jackson, Jake Simons, and Zach Williams. Congratulations. Congratulations. Uh, All right, so we're just going to keep the train rolling here. Uh, Picked out 10 random-ass things. Uh, We'll see what Nick responds here, what he reacts to these with. Uh, We'll start off here with the water buffalo. I don't care about the water buffalo. It just doesn't do anything for me. Like, I get it. It looks a little bit different. It has those, like, horns that kind of swoop around a little bit. But I don't care about a water buffalo. I don't generally care about any kind of animals like that. I'm right there with you. I don't even know well, how how or what they contribute to society. Uh, all right, a couple, couple of Super Bowl-related things, because obviously this is the episode after the Super Bowl. Um, let's just start off with the obvious one here. Taylor Swift didn't watch the Super Bowl at all. Did not watch the Super Bowl except for now. Listen, I think that other men will agree with me, especially gambling men. I'm not a gambler, but I've known many a gambler in my life. So (laughs) we watched the Super Bowl. We put it on for maybe 45 seconds to a minute. Turned it on. San Francisco was down. We wanted San Francisco to win. Turn it on. San Francisco was down. San Francisco scored. 
when this happened, the volume on the TV was off. Now, my wife said, can you turn it up? I said, no, we can't turn it up. They just scored when the volume was down. If we turn it up, then it could throw off the momentum. She was like, that's dumb, that's stupid. Just turn it up. So we turned on the volume. What do you think happens the very next second? They go to kick the extra field goal, it gets blocked. I don't think that's a coincidence. You're right. You not turning up the volume or turning down the volume is what led to the 49ers blowing the lead for sure. Exactly. We jinxed him. And I told her right after that, and I was like, look, that's why you don't turn the volume on. You don't make a change. When you're hitting well, you don't suddenly decide that you're going to change clothing or change your underwear or go to the other side of the batter's box. You stick with it. We cost right, well, them the, the ne- game. The next one should be fun here, uh, since you didn't watch a lick. Uh, Usher. Didn't see it. Everybody, overall, I like Usher. I prefer to call him Usher. Did Ludacris come out? He did, Luda. yes, in, the, in these gigantic shoes, big-ass shoes that... Not sure why he wore them, but he's they been must pushing be fa- that for some reason. Fashion statement. I'm not. There's got to be something coming up, like he's going to launch a boot brand or something like that. Like I saw some other thing on the Grammys, and like Beyonce was dressed like a cowboy. I was like, why is she dressed like that? She looks ridiculous. And then she puts out like a country themed. Oh, okay, now I get it. Oh boy. Uh all right. Uh, aluminum water bottles. What's the deal with water bottles? What is this thing with water bottles that everybody's going after water bottles like it's something great? When I was a kid, you had like one three-second drink of water a day, and that was all (laughs) you needed. Now we've got to be like hydrated nonstop for some reason. I mean, I I think because it's it's what has been pushed into our brains that you, you know, real health and fitness depends on how hydrated you are. Oh, hydration has become like the cure for everything. Like, well, yes. did you have water? Like, well, I never had it before. <laughs> I mean, there's lots of people who just drank beer who are just fine and healthy and, you know, well, didn't have a lick of water. But let's just all start drinking water, I guess. Building blocks of life. All right. Uh, Patrick Mahomes. Ever since I heard somebody compare him to Kermit the Frog, I can't unsee it. And ah. all I think of is Kermit the Frog. Seems to be a great quarterback. I don't really know that much about those things. Seems like it'd be a nice guy. Good for He's him. System quarterback, just like Brady was. Uh, all right. What is the what? A, what is a flug tog? Oh, a flute tog. A flute yes. tog is the thing that Red Bull does, where they have like a platform. They try to make fake planes, and then they push it off the platform and see who goes as far as they can. My family and I have started to do this thing. My wife and I partake in things that Washington legally allows. And we sit there and we watch uh, different things on YouTube with our two children on Sunday and eat snacks. And it's fantastic. And we've been watching different sports. We watched Ski Ballet. with you. If you haven't seen Ski Ballet, I don't think I've ever laughed that hard in my entire life. We've also okay. watched Competitive Dodgeball, which was incredible. We watched Breakdancing. We've watched Gymnastics, Tumbling, and we watched Flugtog. So we watch a new thing to try to expose our children to new and diverse things that maybe they would enjoy when they become adults. Flugtog. That's, that's definitely just rolls off the tongue there, doesn't it? Flugtog. I mean something. I don't know what it means, but it has a meaning. Probably push your fake airplane off of a fake log. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know why I thought that was funny. Um, <laughs> I right. know. That's why, uh, I didn't, that's why I purposely didn't laugh at all. Just to see you. you. Like, just just to leave that. you completely hanging. Did you happen to see the, the, the next couple of these? I mean, if you didn't watch any Super Bowl commercials, or it's not going to matter. Um, the Dunkings. No, I, this is the thing, man. It's like once something becomes popular, I refuse to be associated with it so that I don't have to talk to people about it. That's, you're killing me, Smalls. What? You're absolutely... I'm fine with not conforming to the social norm, but that commercial, which was aired during the Super Bowl, which was for Dunkin' Donuts, was basically um, Tom Brady, Ben Affleck, and uh, Matt Damon in a boy band called the Dun Kings. And it's hilarious. And now, uh, I don't know if, if they will still have this for sale on their website, but you could like buy the tracksuits 
on Dunkin' Donuts' website. I did see something about this, and to take this in a bad direction, I also saw that Dunkin' Donuts is one of the largest, I think, has more employees on food stamps than any other company. Maybe they should invest that money in their workers instead of paying Tom Brady to do stuff. How'd you like wow. that answer? I, I mean, that's why we do this, I guess. I have no idea. Uh, all right, well, let's shift gears. Uh, copper, copper mugs. Oh, wasn't that a big trend a little while ago? Why was it a big trend and I actually bought my wife two copper mugs, maybe even four copper mugs, which were much more expensive than they thought that they were going to be? Because you think a copper mug is going to be like $5, but it's like 40 bucks, And I don't think she ever used them. Now, see, if that was me, you would be lambasting me for, why do you need four copper mugs? Well, they came in a set. She really wanted them. It was for a birthday present. And besides, you would go out there. You would already have four copper mugs, but I don't like this particular color of copper, so I'm going to go ahead and get another four copper mugs, and then you would end up having like 24 copper mugs that you weren't using at all. Let's see. How many How many do I have hanging up? I have 10 hanging up right here. You have 10. Co- this is exactly what I'm talking about. You don't buy one useless thing. You buy seven useless things. They, they come in handy. They're good for Moscow mules. What percentage of things that you buy would you say that you actually use? Oh, uh, 90 to 100%. Really? No, 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 no. Not use once or twice. What percentage of things that you buy would you say you regularly use? I mean, I'm still going to say 70 to 80%. I mean, I don't, I don't buy things. I don't usually buy like you know, things for myself for like leisure purposes. Mm. I would say that's pot number is probably about right. That about 20 to 30% of stuff that people buy, they really don't use very much. Yeah. I mean, if I do buy something like a throwaway item or something, it usually gets thrown away pretty fast. So I have a $500 inflatable raft that I've used three times. Good. Good for you. Actually, it's a kayak, now that I think about it, technically. I don't know what the difference between a kayak, a canoe, and a raft is, but whatever. I don't actually know the difference between the three of those either. Probably how many people you can seat. Maybe a kayak, I think you can, like, sit in, and it, like, kind of comes around you, and a canoe is like, well, this thing's technically a kayak. Maybe a canoe is just bigger. Okay, now I'm going to have to look this up. Damn it. Oh, and I closed the thing. Okay, do you have any, uh, any more? Yeah, beach ball. Oh, just awesome. I love beach balls, man. That's a great time. Beach balls, wow. dodge balls, and those kind of softer balls. <laughs> softer <laughs> balls don't get used nearly enough as they should. We're too focused on hard balls when we should be really playing with soft balls. All right. Uh, unibrows. <laughs> Hilarious. Every time. Every time I see a unibrow, I laugh. But do you feel bad for people who think that that is, like, regular and fashionable? I don't think that anybody thinks that it's fashionable. I think that there's one or two, like, professional athletes where it's really bad, so they've made it, like, their look. But I don't think that anybody thinks that that is fashionable. I think everybody tries to control that. (laughs) All right, last one here. Jelly roll. The, 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 what is it? Like, this... The singer, Jelly That's Roll. somebody that, I, like, I have seen this person, but every time I've seen it, I've just been like, I'm not getting into that. <laughs> I want plausible quite... deniability. I don't know any of the songs. I don't know. I bet, I've heard that they must have some story. They got really popular. But, like, I don't, I'm like, nah, I don't, I'm not investing my time in that. Like, I'm not going to start watching that show. It's not, a, it's a man who ser- served jail time. Yeah, got out and has is reformed now and has the voice of an angel. Oh, cool. Anyways, all right. What's the difference between a raft, kayak, and flug tog? Actually, I stopped looking at it. It looked like too long of an answer for me to go ahead and look at. It looked like one of those answers where after you read it, <laughs> that you still don't know what the difference is. <laughs> all right. Well, then we wise just just skip to the best part. Okay. Of this whole all right. Uh, so our top five is top five messy foods to eat. What's your number five? So are we basing this upon how many stains I have on my clothes from these things? Or Mm. how messy they are in the moment? Because it's kind of a different atmosphere. But 
I'll try to blend them as well as I can. I like how you ask uh, my what, ask for my opinion on what we're doing, and then just continue to go straight into what you were doing as if the answer mattered not whatsoever. So why bother like answering the question? Yeah, what are we doing here? Why I'm doing this? No, I'm just do what you do. What you do, do you man? Do you big player? Do, doing, I'm just doing. I learned from the best, man. Uh, anyway, so my my number five. I mean, this has to be on the list somewhere. Uh, so I have soup. I don't have any problems eating soup. I don't find soup to be a difficult food to eat, to be honest with you. Just don't overfill the spoon. There you go. It's fucking Easy. terrible. Soup, milk, any of those type of liquids that you put on a spoon, uh, are, are just, they're just messy. They're terrible. I really don't have any problem with them. I don't know what you're doing. You get trying to get, like, man, don't fill it all the way up. Like... <laughs> Just go three quarters, and I don't think that you'll have this this problem. I love filling it all the way up. Uh, my number five is corn on the cob. I always had not not corn on the cob, not because it's really a messy food to eat, like in terms it gets all over you or your hands, but because it just gets in your teeth. Yeah, I mean that's that's fair. I mean I uh, I don't consider that messy. Um, I'm definitely going with more like physical. Uh, mm, I consider, yeah. For me, it's the teeth. Like I consider corn on the cob for the teeth factor, and like oh, I gotta get this out of my teeth now. <laughs> uh, my number four, I have powdered donuts. Oh yeah, yeah. There's no way you're coming out of that clean. I mean, you look like you either jerked off Casper or you just did, you know, a line of coke. I'm not sure. I I don't know about jerking off Casper. I don't know what kind of donuts you're eating that you would look like that. But I mean, I understand having some sugar on you. I don't know why you would look like you. <laughs> it's the first thing I thought of. Right? I don't know. Okay, why. all right, well, that makes sense. Uh, my number four is a mango. It's basically po- impossible to not come out with a sticky mess if you're trying to like peel and eat a mango. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, that's that's fair. I thought about putting an orange on my list, but I, I didn't. But that would probably be the closest thing to a fruit I'd have on here. I don't have any difficulty with an orange. Oh, an orange? I there do was... actually remember that. Apparently, I am very good at peeling things. Because I remember a time in which John and I used to work together, and I remember sitting across from him watching him struggle to peel an orange. And he <laughs> somehow had gotten it into literally like 20 to 30 pieces. I was like, what are you doing? Like, you, probably, you do not peel oranges well. That's, I, I actually bought a, uh, like a little tool that helps me peel them properly. <laughs> I can't do it, man. Do you bring that out in public? You can't. You can't, oh, like, be yeah, in public Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I probably have an orange every other day. So, I mean, I, I actually I have, <laughs> I have two. I have one in my desk drawer and one at, one at home. So <laughs> you can't do that stuff right there. Like there is no way for me as a person that I could see somebody with like a tool that helped them peel oranges and not think that they were an idiot. I mean, it's, it's been great for me. So I, it helps. I'll tell you that it's not like it's, you know, it's not like it's been a detriment. I can tell you that. Okay. Uh, all right. My number three, I have, uh, Really can be any kind of like meat pie, but I, I went with Sloppy Joe specifically. I thought about putting Sloppy Joe's on the list, but I don't have not really had that many struggles with Sloppy Joe's. I can't think of a time that I'd be like, damn, these Sloppy Joe's. Oh, it's they're terrible. It's yeah, unless you have an oversized like onion roll or something, you put them on and then when you go to bite, they come out one end. It's just it's terrible. Mm. Waste. So, but also, I grew up in a city where we had this restaurant called New Way that specialized in, like, Sloppy Joes. So, maybe I had more experience from a younger age eating Sloppy Joes in a proper manner. Maybe we should have a Sloppy Joe professional eater on or somebody. I don't know if there is. Probably not. There has to be, though. My number three is s'mores. That's going to be a gooey mess. Yeah, that's that's a good one. S'mores are good. I just I don't recall the last time I had s'mores. No, not a very popular thing. It's one of those things that you're always like, 
oh, I could make s'mores, but like, ah, oh, it's kind of a pain in the ass. It's a lot. Yeah, like too much work for the reward. Yeah, like, do I really want to? Is it worth it? Yeah, no, nah, not so much. It. Like, <laughs> All right, my number two is basically anything with peanut butter. How is peanut butter messy? Peanut butter's easy. It sticks to oh. itself. Oh, it's terrible. I always get it everywhere. Like, if you want me to make you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, it's, it's, it looks like a four-year-old made it. It's ridiculous. Here's the thing, right? Like, before, you were talking about how you feel like an adult, but yet you struggled to, with peanut butter jelly sandwiches and peeling oranges. <laughs> I got nothing, man. It doesn't mean that I'm coordinated. Do you, but you're not uncoordinated. I've seen you play sports. I wouldn't say that you were an uncoordinated person. I, I mean, I, I don't, well, I appreciate that. I, but I, I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, it just, it's anything with peanut butter. Even when I try to make like peanut butter curry or something, I get it all over the place or I get it on me and then it gets, it's, you know, it's just, it's a fucking nightmare. Okay. That's all I got to say. I mean, it's a little hard to get off a spoon. What do you use? Maybe you're using the wrong tools. If you're going to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for your kids, what utensil are you using? A butter knife. Oh, use a spoon. It's way easier. To spread it on the bread? Yeah. You just dig it out, put it there, spread it on the side. It's not like it's not really difficult. It's just a flat surface. Like, all you need is a flat surface to spread something. A spoon has a reasonably flat surface on it. It's not like, oh, I'll no. never be able to do it. I'll, well, I bought myself a, a peanut butter and jelly tool. God, I'm surprised. I bet you would, too. Do you, do you have, no, do you have something that cuts the, do you have something that cuts the crust off of sandwiches? Uh, yes, but not specific. Not. <laughs> No, no, hold on, hold on. Not, speci <laughs> not specifically the shapes. So, like, I can cut the, the sandwiches into shapes. It's not necessarily... But don't you just mash the bread? No, man, because I got delicate fingers, man. Obviously not. You can't peel an orange. I, that uh, Oranges are tough. And everyone out there that's listening to this is like, yeah, Schultz's kind of right. Oranges do suck to peel. I don't have any difficulty peeling an orange. Maybe I'm alone on this. But I also, we were going through a hard-boiled egg kick at my house, and I oh. watched my wife try to peel a hard-boiled egg, and, like, she couldn't do it. And I was just like, this, all you got to do is like this. Those are tough, especially if you oh. boil them, you know, and you don't, I don't know, there's some trick or something to do. But if you don't do it, you're going to be peeling it piece by piece. I feel I, for your wife. I can do the whole thing reliably in three pieces. So a lot of times in just one big one. What's your number two? My number two is actually spaghetti because it's that last okay. like where you feel like that sauce is going to get all over you. Uh, I, you know, I actually don't recall a, a time where I've had issues with, with spaghetti or noodles, but... Do you take the whole noodle, though? You take the whole noodle in your mouth? Or are you trying to, like, no, I only want little noodles? You, you cut it up a little bit. No, I don't cut my noodles up. I like to take it long and slimy. It's nice. I mean, yeah. Like, we could have kept going, but, like, it was harder to yeah. keep that one going than I thought it would be. Uh, yeah. Okay, anyway, what's your number one? So it's chicken wings, and... I love it. I, lo I love everything about the messiness of chicken wings. I love the sauce that gets under your fingernail, uh, fingernails. I love, you know, going home and just smelling it for hours until you take a shower. It's just, it's awesome. I love it. I don't want to ever eat a chicken wing that doesn't leave me with something on my fingers or my shirt. <laughs> it's not a chicken wing in my regard. If I come away clean from a chicken wing, then I didn't have a chicken wing. You said that very matter-of-factly, so I believe you. Oh, yeah. I 100% agree. What's in your honorable mention? Uh, so ice cream, specifically ice cream sandwiches. Because mm. those 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 yeah, will get you. Yeah, I guess that's true. I don't have, do you have trouble with ice cream cones? No, because I eat it so fast. <laughs> yeah, that's me too. Yeah, like it's, it's not even, not not even close for, for me. Not waiting for that thing to melt? No, man. Th this is pretty... Uh, um, like these aren't very common, but like crab legs, 
Like those are messy whenever I've had them. I've never had any like fancy seafood stuff. Like I've never had lobster. I mean, I've had lobster and like other things, but I've never had like a lobster or a crab legs or anything like that. Yeah, no, it's uh, th- is it good? Deli- I don't. Yeah, I don't know how. Else, yeah, they're delicious. Um, mm. I mean, it's literally the tendons of the crab's leg. Like it's nice and like tender, but firm. Anyways, no one cares. Um. I have like a fast food hamburger. Like those are always usually pretty messy, like Culver's, a oh. Big Mac, something like that. Okay. Okay. Uh and I I, I have two final things. Um like chili cheese fries. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a watermelon. I don't really have any difficulty with watermelon, but I'm a big fan of watermelon and know how to cut watermelon correctly. Um I would absolutely agree with you with cheese fries. I could I could make a case that you could say that nachos can be a little messy. Yeah, for sure. But that's one of those things too that like if nachos aren't messy, then I don't they're not nachos. <laughs> Needs to Nacho, be smothered. Nacho cheese. <laughs> oh, I thought of it. Wait a minute. I thought of a line. Like you know how we were talking about action movies? Okay. And it was, but I was going to be like, it would be like if, if I killed somebody at like a Mexican themed restaurant for an action movie, I'll be like, hope you didn't want enchiladas because it's nacho day. And then like throw them in the fryer or something. You just end it there. Okay. That's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, leave us a quick review. We really appreciate it. really helps us out. And let us know what you think are some of the messiest foods. I think ribs honestly should have been higher on that list because they can be a big mess. But let us know what you think are some of the messiest foods around. Thanks for joining us. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.